You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to a special podcast. I have a treat for you today. I have my dear friend, my dear sister in Christ, Catherine Toon with us today. And I'm super excited about sharing her with you and sharing her latest book. Uh, You guys, this is an exciting, exciting topic. It's another hot topic. You know how we love those hot topics around here. And I know that you are going to be so blessed by this. So welcome, Catherine. I'm so happy that you're here. Yay. I am so happy too. This is just so more than I can even say. So thank you for having me on. I'm just happy to be with you and be with everyone. Thank you. It's an honor. And I think it's going to be a blast. So I'm just expecting great things. It is. It is. It is. Well, drum roll, please, you guys. I want to introduce Catherine's new book. It's an awesome, awesome book. Beautiful cover. I love everything about this book. Uh, But it's called God, Male and Female, you guys. Yes, God, Male and Female. And this amazing book, uh, the subtitle of it, I love it. It's Healing Our Image with God our image of ourselves and of one another. And it is a powerful, powerful book. Catherine, I'm so excited that you took on this project. (laughs) Thank you. It has been, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a, it's not a surprise because it's been a labor of love and just a labor of healing for myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this sort of came out of, um, yeah, just my own personal study. And I, I kept on running into people that, I, oh, I need to give them my notes and I need to whatever. And it kept on growing and growing and growing. And I started a blog series mm-hmm. and it kept on going and going and going. And like, you mm-hmm. know, the was like, um, honey, mm-hmm. this, this is not a blog series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So it's been, I mean, I've been working on this for at least five years just wow. as my own personal study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I loved what you said in your book. You said that you actually had a mandate from God for this message. And uh, I'm just going to read this to you guys because I loved what the Lord said to you, Catherine. You know, he says he wants you to teach on my dual feminine and masculine nature. Uh, I am above the gender issue. And it's important that my kids grow in seeing me rightly. And then the Lord said, I am neither male nor female, but in gender both. And I just, Talk a little bit about, I mean, we, you know, we're going to just talk about the elephants in the room today, you guys. Um, Catherine and I have been in relationship for, oh my gosh, I don't even know. Uh, I have to do the math. It's like 15 years or something, a long time we've known each other. So it's going to be like, you guys are joining in on a, on a conversation uh, of, of friends today. Um, and you know, I met Catherine, we were both uh, in ministry together. She was uh, instrumental, honestly, in my launch into ministry. She was a part of our leadership team. And I guess what I, you know, we, we have personally, um, walked through what it's like to be a female in ministry. And obviously this book is not specifically about females in ministry, but we both have a lot of experiences in being female, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lifetime. Yes, a lifetime of being female and the challenges uh, that it is to be a Christian female sometimes, not just in ministry, but also in the world. I mean, Catherine is an MD. So talk a little bit about your life experiences, Catherine, I guess that in ministry, in life or whatever, maybe your personal uh, yeah. story that that, that yeah. drove you into this topic with the Lord. Yeah. So it is very personal, very near and dear. And I'm, I'm happy to share because I think it's going to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a household. We were, my household was academicians. Okay. So, and we were not Christian. We were not believers. Um, as a matter of fact, that was kind of looked down on. I was actually no disdained. I would have to put because kind of the God of our household was kind of academia. It was self, it was really secular humanism. And so a lot of the, um, kind of liberal, uh, thinking and that kind of thing, that was our household. This is our dinner table conversation and our, what was valuable, what was not valuable was framed in that. And, and then add to that mix, just real brokenness. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there was incest in the household. It was just 
really messed up. And so growing up in that household, um, it was a survival thing. And, um, you know, in, in the biggest pain points, Jesus would show up at a really early age, uh, just in sort of a vision form. And I really think that's what kept me from literal insanity. Um, I'm saying that because I had encounters with God. Um, and I'll, the only thing I knew about him is that he loved me and I loved him. That was, that was it. You know, that is good theology. If you start there, that that'll work for eternity right there. Um, but that's all I knew in my broken world. And I would sneak read my Bible um, because that was looked down on. Um, and then I grew up really confused about being a, a, a girl, a, a woman, um, and then what that looked like with men, because the messages I got, well, number one, the message I got is that your worth and value was with what you do. And so, um, and so, and you weren't intrinsically valuable. And then you were less valuable because you were a woman. And while we were sort of self-proclaimed feminists in the household, there was this paradox of, okay, so if women are so valuable, why are you treating them like rubbish sexually? Okay. And it was just really messed up. Okay. And so I had really jacked up concepts of masculine and feminine and value and all of that. And, you know, early on that sort of displayed itself. Like when I was in junior high, I had a choice of world of construction or home economics and, oh, there was no way I was going to do home economics. So I was the only girl in my world of construction class. And I really sucked at it because I really had no interest, but I had something to prove. And every time you have something to prove, it's just the wrong motivation. Mm -hmm. But that was my whole life trying to prove something because the shame of just what had been inflicted, inflicted upon me with the whole incest mess. And then um, just this sense of women being less than being subservient, but then they're valued, but then they're not and just real confusion. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so and this you know, as this evolved throughout my lifetime, uh, one of the things I did to try to compensate and prop up a decimated identity and value was I, I made a vow at age seven. I said, you know, if my worth and value is based on what I do, I'm going to pick the hardest thing I can think of as a little seven-year-old. And in my seven-year-old brain, that was, I'm going to be a doctor. Hmm. So that set up the course of my life that I actually walked out and I actually did it well mm -hmm. um, because I'm reasonably smart mm -hmm. um, and I can push and make it happen if I have to, and which, which is what I did. So mm -hmm. Ivy leagues, the whole do, do dad, all of that. And truthfully, I loved um, what I did. I just wasn't what I was supposed to do. So, mm -hmm. um, so let's back it up a bit. How did that walk itself out with the struggling between masculine and feminine? Well, you know, um, uh, when I finally became a believer, as we call it, I said the magic prayer, whatever you would call that, because um, I had run away from the God that I had encounters with for a long time because my life had been decimated by sin. Mm -hmm. um, so I was mad at God. And finally, when I realized that I just couldn't, like, I am a strong, I just couldn't barrel through anymore. Mm -hmm. And all of these things started to come to roost. And I had to cry out to this God that I had been running from. Mm -hmm. And God is, you know, he's amazing. Obviously received me, all of that. It was good. But then suddenly I'm now in the Christian world. Okay. That was totally disdain. I was like the prodigal in my family for being a Christian, just so you know. <laughs> um, and now I'm in the Christian world and I'm like, yay, they have it all together. <laughs> because what I came from, a lot of times you think if it's opposite of what I came from, it must be good. Well, dang, we've got issues. Mm -hmm. And even when I read the Bible, it was like father, which is good. Of course, I had father problems because of the incest thing. And then Jesus, and I'm not, Jesus is good, but he's also male. Mm -hmm. And then whatever. And then you, it's just, you know, men, 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 men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then a little nod and tip to women, if you don't read it correctly. And so, and then you look at the church itself. 
and you're like male CEO, pastor format and women in children's church and sit down, shut up and wear a doily on your head and all of that, <laughs> unless you meet Shalisa Menes and then that shatters all of those preconceived notions, praise God for that. Um, but I was really confused and really hurting. And of course I had encountered this God and I had so much healing by encounter with this God. But then I'm like, are you really only male? Because if you are really only male, then I'm just kind of this adjunct, you know, kind of, you know, emanated from Adam, who is the real deal. I'm secondary. I'm whatever. Mm -hmm. And it always created a sense of, can I really trust you mm -hmm. from someone who'd had a lot of trust violated? Right. So, mm -hmm. um, so I started to do a deep dive mm -hmm. uh, in scripture uh, and that's really what started, um, uh, you know, started this process in this book, you mm -hmm. know, and then along the way, you know, you run into this problem in the secular world. I mean, in medicine, it was interesting because my class was the first class in an Ivy League school that had actually more women than men. This is revolutionary, never happened. Mm -hmm. But then I only remember literally of all the faculty at this, there were two women. So everything in the upper echelons, mm -hmm. still masculine mm -hmm. in the church, upper, upper, upper uh, tiers, we'll say, cause I can't say that word for some reason at uh, masculine, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and everywhere you go and you're like, now I know we have babies and things like that. And that's a thing, mm -hmm. um, but not that doesn't represent everything. So what is going on? And then when you have people hitting on you or trying to get you is if I'm going to be in this field, I have to become a man ish or mm -hmm. whatever. And how does that all work? Uh, and it gets very confusing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to be unconfused, mm -hmm. we got to look towards the one who's really not confused. Mm -hmm. He created it all. Mm -hmm. And created us in his, and I'm going to say slash her, nobody, well, they're your audience, so they probably won't fall out of their chair, his slash her <laughs> image and likeness to help us through the battlefield of reconciling all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to dive in you guys a little bit into actually the scripture and the incredible, um, just deep dive that Catherine does in the book into the scripture. I mean, be prepared to really get out, get out the Bible and study scripture and study the Hebrew, study the Greek and get educated about what our Bibles actually say, even though many of our translations don't say that. And you guys know, if you watch my you know, podcast very regularly, or you listen to me that I'm always encouraging you guys, like we've got to go beyond one translation because there are I know it's a shock to a lot of people. There are errors in our translations. So I want to, before we dive into that deep dive and talk about the way that scripture actually, when translated correctly, actually references male and female descriptions and, and has uh, nouns that describe God and names that describe, describe God that are not just male. Uh, I want to talk really quickly about what this book is not, Catherine, because you you made it pretty clear in the intro of the book about what you were tackling and what you weren't tackling. And so I just want to kind of get that out there for everybody. We'll also make sure, you know, you guys get the information on where to get the book, the audio book and all that. But just a little description of what you cover in the book and what you kind of not where the scope ends. Mm -hmm. Oh, you were asking me. Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah, you were yeah. going to say it. I thought you were going to no, make no, my job. Easy. I'm like, great, yeah. go. <laughs> okay. So uh, I, uh, you know, my mandate, you know, when, and, and you read it, Shalise, um, was um, basically my kids need to know me rightly, mm -hmm. really in my femininity, in my masculinity, that I'm neither male nor female, but I engender both. Mm -hmm. And with that statement, so it's, it's a deep dive on studying God, because the bottom line is we will never uh, be able to grapple with who we really are mm -hmm. if we are not seeing God rightly. We're, we're in God's image and likeness. So what is that? Mm -hmm. uh, what is that really beyond kind of what we've been taught, beyond the traditions of men? 
I would say, I would say men and women, but it's really pretty much the traditions of men. Um, and, you know, it is a deep dive to study God because until we get a reasonable grasp of this, we have no hope mm-hmm. of getting a grasp of, well, what does that mean for me as a woman? What does that mean for me as a man? What does that mean for me when I'm trying to figure out, you know, my my masculinity and femininity and, and where that fits? What does that mean in context of my sexuality, in context of my relationship with my spouse, in context of pick a card, any card? These are such foundational things. Mm-hmm. And so we have got to get a, you know, God, God is truth. And that's eternal truth. And so uh, when we grasp that, it's 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 a it's a plumb line so that we can grapple with everything else. Because every if, if he is really truth, this, this is really true, then everything's going to fall into place one way and another in a way that meets you where you're at mm-hmm. and helps you navigate into areas of wholeness. Because this is really about encountering this God and causing and, 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 and yielding to what he slash she is doing in bringing your wholeness, but we got to encounter that God. So I'm not addressing uh, directly issues of sexuality. I'm not addressing directly uh, gender identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not uh, addressing directly, you know, how how you need to behave as a husband and wife, as spouses. I'm not tackling those things, not because they're not worthy. It's just that's beyond the scope. I am like setting the groundwork. And then at the end of the book, mm-hmm. um, I do have encounter breaks where you basically, okay, so I've been grappling with these theological things and these, you know, whatever Catherine's been saying, okay, mm-hmm. um, which which act is to address the mind, address the understanding, just so you can grab a hold of it. But you know, information uh, expands uh, the mind and the intellect, but encounter uh, mm-hmm. is the is the thing that causes transformation. Mm-hmm. And so, the end of the book is where you can encounter God, and I sort of lead you through that, so you can grapple and journal and mm-hmm. do all the amazing things that mm-hmm. I know Shalise is coaching mm-hmm. you on to make this where the rubber meets the road, where there's brokenness, where there is whatever that is. So it speaks to you where you live in a safe, that's in a way that's always safe, always honoring, always elevating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, mm-hmm. so I guess that's the answer to your question. Well, it's, it, it's huge. It's huge. And I, I wanted to talk about that. And again, it's not really about women in ministry. Like there's so many other topics Mm-hmm. that are branches off of this foundational understanding of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those of you that, you know, know my work, right. We, we, in the five cues, right. It's who is God? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I headed? How do I get there? And if we don't have that first question answered correctly or understood correctly, or have an encounter with that directly, well, then the rest of our lives are going to be, have distortion in them. So I think it's brilliant that you actually uh, started with that foundation, Catherine, because it, it, first of all, it's an exhaustive study in and of itself. I mean, the, the scope of that is huge and is, is, is confrontational and, uh, There's a lot of cognitive dissonance that can come up for people. And so it takes a minute, you know, for that, for people to really study this book and really look it up for themselves and kind of uh, germinate in that and then talk to God about it. So let's dive in a little bit into uh, what the scriptures actually say and some of the words that you did such a great job uh, in your book of pointing out. I mean, really, she goes from Genesis, you guys, all the way through the New Testament and does a really deep dive on specific uh, Greek words, specific Hebrew words. So in chapter one, we'll just kick it off right there. Make sure I've got my little tabs here in my book here. So I want to make sure I covered everything I wanted to cover there. Um, So let's go here into chapter one. And let's just talk about in the beginning, Catherine, where you start to uh, break out literally in chapter one, verse one, verse two, the way that God uh, is expressed, even in the very beginning, is both male and female. And in, you know, many times in the scriptures, also even gender neutral. So I'm going to hand that off to you. To, let's talk a little bit about just some of the places in scripture 
starting in Genesis? Sure. So I'll, I'll just read the scripture uh, and then we can uh, talk about it. So Genesis 1, starting with Genesis uh, 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void or a waste and emptiness. And the darkness was upon the face of the deep primeval ocean that covered the unformed earth. The spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So this is from the, let me double check the, what was it? It was from the amplified version, which I chose on purpose because I wanted I wanted amplification. Um, so let's talk about God. And so um, in Genesis 1-1, the Hebrew word Elohim, which is God, is a plural masculine noun. I love it because it's plural. There you have Trinity right there. Okay. So, um, and God is revealed here as masculine. This is not this, there's no cognitive dissonance. This goes right along. And that is true. And that is valuable. But interestingly, in verse two, it says the spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. Now, the word spirit is the word ruach in Hebrew, which is actually a feminine noun. So wherever you, there's basically two place, two uh, places where we talk about spirit of God or breath of God, um, and both of those ones, ruach, ones uh, neshama, and they're both feminine nouns. And look at how the activity of the spirit is. It's brooding. It's hovering. Now, when you think of <laughs> a helicopter parent <laughs> is brooding and hovering over their kids. Or more like a, a, a you know the way the bir- the way birds do they brood over their young, and that's most often you know we're not one of the things I, I want to caution people is that we're not trying to form hard boxes. We are exploring mystery. So if if you expect uh, if the expectation is well, oh this is this and this is that what you're going to end up seeing is so gorgeous. It's actually so much more life-giving than just having all the answers and seeing it laid out. God is mysterious. So this is an exploration rather than a declaration, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And we constantly see this as we see in these verses, this interplay between um, the members of the Godhead, but not just the members of the Godhead, but the masculine energy and the feminine energy and, and I use the word energy and I don't make freak some people out because it sounds new agey, but God is all about energy. This is dunamis. This is, he has an energy. She has an energy. And so you'll see this dovetailing of the masculine working and the feminine working. And because we need both and both are represented in the Godhead. And so you see it over and over and over and it's exquisite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is it's life giving um, to as as we study that. So that would be that first. Did you want me to go to uh, Genesis one twenty six? Why don't you tell me where to go next? Yeah, go ahead. Let's just okay. let's take a little walk through Genesis here, and then okay. we'll go over maybe to John and talk through uh, some New Testament references. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and it, yeah, and it's, it's so beautiful because you see this throughout the Bible. And it's so mm-hmm. consistent, and when you see it. You can't unsee it. And it's a good thing not to unsee. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, okay. So let's go to Genesis 1, uh, 26 to 28. This is a new American standard. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them Mm. and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So this is him creating he, them, male and female. So in the creation of the first human, which was Adam and Adam is, is masculine, but Adam has entire humanity in it. And there's a themness in Adam as there's a themness in the Trinity and the themness is both masculine and feminine. And so this is the image and likeness of God. So you cannot have a complete image and likeness of God 
if you say it's just masculine, the only way to represent God in his as slash her image and likeness is masculine and feminine. And when we um, push out one side as kind of an offshoot or an outgrowth or a secondary or a peripheral, um, we lose out. We lose out in humanity, but we lose out in our understanding of this breathtaking God who's just not going to dive into our boxes. And our boxes, if we're trying to do masculine and feminine, they're just going to break down really fast. Mm-hmm. Um And so we see this beautiful integration Mm -hmm. of the masculine and feminine. And oftentimes we'll see that you have the masculine, but the feminine is hidden to be revealed, Mm -hmm. right? And you kind of see this over and over again, Jesus on the cross, right? Jesus, the Christ, that's masculine noun, but the feminine to be revealed is the church that came from his side. So the word church or ecclesia is a feminine noun. So the feminine was actually burst from the masculine who in turn burst the feminine and the masculine. And you see this dovetailing and interplay that's exquisite. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. Now, what do you, let's kind of dive in a little bit to the fact, because this is, you know, if you're going to be talking about Genesis, I think one of the things that, that comes up is, uh, just the idea of hierarchy and the idea of hierarchy of man over woman and, mm-hmm. and these gender roles with one another. So talk just briefly about that, because I think you do a, a beautiful job in the book of describing how there's not a, there's not a hierarchy in the, in the Godhead. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually a profound statement. I know you just kind of um, just boom, there is that, but let, let's just sit for just a second, because if we're going to understand if there's a hierarchy in the Godhead, there, there in the image and likeness of God in humanity, there would be a hierarchy in humanity. Now let's, uh, to kind of cut to the chase, since Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity, that is most often, but not only uh, portrayed in feminine terms. And, uh, you know, we can get into that later, but we have to understand that father, father's masculine, son is masculine, but spirit is actually feminine completely in the old Testament. And in the new Testament, the word for spirit is either masculine or neutral. So we've got this mixture, but if we understand uh, God say father to be the head over Jesus and Jesus to be the head over spirit, we're going to run into problems. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and the truth is that if you look actually in the Orthodox church, this is a very egalitarian, you see them represented in ancient times from ancient times, from the church fathers and mothers as kind of these three around a table equal. And it's a circular table. There's no one at the head of the table and everyone else is at the foot of the table or whatever. Um, so, and, and then if you go to say the Nicene creed, um, each and every member of the Godhead is do the same reverential, uh, reverence, all are called Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. but they do have different personalities say, and different ways they function, but they're constantly other giving love Mm -hmm. and submitting to one another. That's what love does. Mm -hmm. And so father's submitting to the son, the son submitting to the father, father submitting to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit submitting to father. And this is this dovetailing because that's what love does. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit traditionally has been called the modesty of God, which is kind of interesting because Holy Spirit often is just, I'm there to point to Jesus. I'm there to point to, right? Which is beautiful. Does that make Holy Spirit less? Mm -hmm. Okay. So once again, in order to get this, okay, so is there justification for a hierarchy between men and women, human beings? Well, we look to the one who created the one or ones, however you, you know, it's a mystery (laughs) who created us in their image and likeness, male and female. And then we say, okay, is there a hierarchy in the Godhead? No, there's not a hierarchy in the Godhead. And so that's a really important point to get settled because that actually goes against, uh, I think what is taught and thought, even if not, even if it's subconsciously. Um, And so that can say, well, this hierarchy um, within men and women, uh, you know, that's a God thing. Um, the concept of submission, um, you know, uh, it is, it's a thing, 
But uh, the Bible says to submit to one another in love. So what does that look like? So this is submitting. So when you invite me on your program, you're saying, Catherine, take it away, right? And you're kind of submitting to what I'm teaching, but then I'm yielding back to you and submitting to you because this is your thing. And so, you know, uh, and this is what love does. It submits and love is the person of God. God is love, father, son, and spirit. They're all love and they all submit. Um, out of in, in ways that are are life giving, mm-hmm. uh, so just because um, uh, Eve emanated, say, came out from Adam, doesn't mean she wasn't already present. See, being hidden and revealed, you could even argue, was the crowning achievement. Now, I'm saying it's all crowning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was is that you know when the the concept of hierarchy is a fallen concept because this didn't happen until the fall whether you look at that as historical or allegorical is irrelevant uh because what ends up happening is that number one they finger point and number two um there's this passage where it says in not not as a curse from god you have to understand god god does not curse he can't love can't curse god can god can only bless but when the consequence of the fall is that these things happen it's you know you turn away from light and life and truth and love bad things are going to happen and so in the turning away where adam turned away from god into the ground the ground that became his new God would only produce thistles and thorns for the woman, for Eve that turned away. She turned away from God. And then her God was her husband. She looked to Adam to be her source. And this is where the battle of the sexes originated. So the word is that, uh, that Eve, um, uh, wanted to, um, uh, the word is sequa, something like that. I'm sure I'm butchering it, but however, um, she was trying to outstretch and dominate her husband, but she would be dominated and squashed. And so now the woman is in a position of secondary, less than domination. Um, and of course, that's that's her pain point. Uh, the man is toiling on the ground. That's his pain point. And then we have this battle of the sexes where everybody loses. Because if everybody's, if there's a winner, that means there's two losers. Mm-hmm. Um, God's only scenario for winning is the win-win. My sons win, my daughters win. And this is why when we champion one another, the way we're called to, that means men championing women, women championing men. Um, that's when everybody wins. And so part of the the fall for women, you know, if you're squashed and you are economically dependent, um, you are dominated physically uh, uh, and, you know, all of that. Well, what influence do you have? Well, you have to kind of be covert. And so this is where kind of women manipulate with sexuality and um, and and just with emotional manipulation, all these things. That's a lose lose. The men dominating where I'm fighting for territory. Oh, and by the way, woman, you're part of my territory. Um, that's a lose lose. And so the, so humanity bleeds out. And we see that over and over and over. And so when we realize that there are no winners or losers, that's not the scenario. God is after the win-win. So that means we champion, we come under one another. And that will look like something really specific in every walk of life, but particularly in the church, because we're the ones that are supposed to have a revelation of God Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. And that spreads out to give life to the entire planet, whether or not they know God, the way we see him slash her yet or not, Mm -hmm. that's not the issue. It's like, we're the ones that are the light and carry truth to be life-giving, not condemning to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine, this is such a uh, I, I just know I can I can hear the I can hear the thoughts <laughs> coming from all of the listeners, even though we're recording it and you haven't heard it yet. It's, I'm like pre yes, uh, oh, in right touch. Um, but no, really, I can. Um, and I, I I just know and I can sense the uh, 
I don't know if it's even somewhat frustration, I think sometimes that is a response to this because because we have been, for lack of a better word, deceived. We have been uh, programmed into roles, uh, gender-specific roles, specifically in the church. I'm talking specifically about in the church right now. And how that has affected so much, and, and there's so much brokenness in our relationships, and 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 misunderstandings of of these particular attributes of God. Uh, so, even before we go on, I, I, I had a question here. Let me let me just refer to it. How do you address the concerns and the resistance that some people have, you know, in in accepting this idea, or the, you know, what do we do with this now, you know? Yeah. Well, I understand. And I, I really get it. And one of the things I, I really want to say is it's interesting because the most backlash that I've had has been from the church and has been more from women than men, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's felt very threatening because it feels like, well, you're taking away my Jesus. You're taking away father. They're male. I'm like, absolutely. And you get all the other represent. So this is not a takeaway. This is an expansion, keeping what you already have. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. this is not, you know, father, God is masculine. My God, we need, we need fathers that are masculine, that protect, that nurture, that provide that are rocks and shields and towers. Okay. That masculine energy. I'm going to use that again, because it's more of a, of a, you encounter that characteristic in the masculine. We need that as a father. We need Jesus in the masculine as the brother, as the bridegroom. Um, and, and that energy and, and that strength and all of that. And we need the feminine as the wind and the water um, and the healing and the comfort and the nurture. And we, And the thing is, we need it and we get all of it. Don't limit yourself. And so if that is freaking you out, Mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. But if you deep dive and if you're honest now, you know, the thing is, you've got to be willing. And if you're not willing, don't break anything. Just this is not your thing for you right now. It's okay. And you're still loved and adored and everything else. Okay. Um, But if this is stirring in you, do the work, follow. I mean, I've kind of done the work for you, but do the work to grapple with it and follow it. And there's something that opens up. Oh my God, you're so much bigger and more beautiful than I ever imagined. And there's something that's so healing inside, but to get to the healing place, you need to be willing to to let whatever needs to be shaken, be shaken. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, so I, you know, I, I say in the beginning that I'm not bucking anything. I'm not here to like prove something. I've got, don't have an agenda except for, I want to know God better. And I know there's more. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not here to bucket. I'm here to press scripture hard. And the more you press it, the more this becomes something that opens up and includes, because my pain point is I just didn't feel included. I felt like a secondary addendum. I have this call on my life. I'm like, there you go, honey. That's, that's nice here. You, here's the children's church. And that's great if you're called to that, but the truth is that's not what I'm called to. And so um, to be able to be released in that, um, and to be able to be powerful in the way I'm called to be powerful and, and be feminine in the way I'm called to be feminine and not have that to be something like separate, but not have it to be something to try to usurp men or dominate or male bash. But that having that win-win dynamic is, you know, is what God is leading us into. So grapple with it. Um, go through the stuff, do your own study. Like I, I, I did a lot of study and the more I studied, the more this came out and just got more and more and more. And then I'd see more and then you'd see it here. And, you know, and it was incredible. And one thing I I do want to say in this study, even when you're looking at God, the father and Jesus, the Christ masculine, Mm -hmm. boom. Yes. Eternal. Okay. Um, the way they even behave comes in masculine and feminine forms. So father God has breasts and wombs. Now I, this is allegorical and let's not get weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But if he's the many breasted one, that is feminine. If he's feeding and nurturing his kids mm-hmm. at his breasts, that is feminine. So there's the masculine father 
unapologetic masculine Mm -hmm. in this feminine way of being Mm -hmm. um that is like we need it like who does not he need jehovah jireh you know what i mean uh you know el shaddai who does not need that um and then um and then he has wombs he's birthing things that's a that's a feminine energy and then you have jesus in the new testament with the i am statements this is one of my particular favorites i was just um, about to go there yes oh, okay sorry uh no, feel free to interrupt yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, you know, first of all, the, the, the big one is God is love. So this is every, this is the Trinity. God is love. Father is love. Jesus is love. Holy Spirit is love. And the word love is the word agape. That is a feminine noun in the Greek. So, which means saying the Godhead expresses itself in feminine ways of love as the person of love. But then if you go into um, all the other I am statements, there's seven other I am statements in the New Testament. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, all of those Greek words, way, truth, life, are feminine. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a man, okay, you're not truthful. We're not getting weird about it, okay? We're t- saying that the word truth, aletheia, is a feminine noun. There's an expression of that feminine energy of truth that God is, that the masculine Jesus is expressed in these feminine ways. So the way, truth, and life are all feminine. You know, I am the door. The door is feminine. I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection and life are all feminine nouns. Um, and then you see some mixture. You see, um, I, I, am, I, am the, I am the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. That's a masculine noun. So, you know, so we're not, I'm not trying to make things fit. It's all about expression. And when you think about it, if you have a shepherd and you need someone to kick butt against a wolf, okay, that's coming against you, you want that masculine energy. And that masculine energy is unyielding, Mm -hmm. is a rock, is a tower. It doesn't change. It's not all emotional and quakey. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, it's solid. And you need that. We need a God who is a rock and a tower and a shield. Okay. He doesn't yield. He doesn't get squishy. (laughs) Okay. But then you also need the feminine energy of the spirit that moves and the water that flows and you don't know where it comes and you don't know where it's going. And that's that feminine energy. That is the thing, you know, that makes women um, delightful, but you can't quite pin us down. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> but it has a power and it has truth. And then when you study wisdom, wisdom in both the New and Old Testaments, whether it is uh, the wisdom, um, I'm blanking on the word, but whatever that is in the Hebrew word, I'm, I'll think of it in a second. And then in the New Testament, Sophia, um, mm-hmm. both of those words are feminine nouns and they are deified. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, And then when you speak of Jesus as um, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of wisdom, might, understanding, counseling, and fear of the Lord, all of those nouns are Hebrew feminine nouns. So which means Jesus, his spirit is expressed in these feminine ways, including might. Mm -hmm. Um, And even in the New Testament, power and authority, um, dunamis and exousia, our feminine nouns. So I got a lot of curveballs. I was, I was like, oh, I thought that was going to be masculine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then all the fruit of the spirit that are the expression of the spirit mm-hmm. who is gender neutral are all feminine. So it's this gender neutral, sometimes masculine, feminine in the Old Testament expressed in all the, uh, the, the, the feminine love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control all feminine. So there's, it's not just um, how we kind of, how we see God as father and son. It's also how they are expressed and how they're moving. When you have Jesus who is, who's speaking over, who's just lamenting, just broken over his Jerusalem. And he sees what's coming. 70 AD is coming and it's not going to be good. Right. And he's just weeping for his kids. And he says, how long, how many times would I have longed to gather you together under my wings, but you would not. And he's heartbroken about it because he knows what's coming down the pike. 
So that whole concept of coming under my wings, that is a, a feminine energy of coming into the protection of the the um, the 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 feminine uh, bird, whatever, in the safest place in the universe for that. And I um, and so you're tucked under that as they're brooding and protecting. And this is Jesus operating in this feminine capacity, in this emotional capacity that is broken for his kids, mm -hmm. right? And so you see this constant interplay of the masculine and the feminine. Um, and it's it, it, it opens up this world that encompasses all of creation. Because um, because either creation is male and female or gender neutral, whatever that is, but it's all in there and it's all an expression of this God mm -hmm. who is both mm -hmm. in this mystical, can't quite pin it down way. So it's not like it's taking away, it's adding. Mm -hmm. It's adding and expanding us and grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of God and Jesus, his son, right? So this is grace multiplied, peace multiplied. Mm -hmm. um, and this is partaking of the divine nature. Well, what is that nature? Mm -hmm. It's masculine and feminine, right? Mm -hmm. And so that we already have all things for life and godliness as, as we're encountering how God is revealing him slash herself, we're able to partake of the divine nature and everything pertaining to, oh my goodness, my life and operating in godliness. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and we'll we'll take this one more, you know, one more place in in today's broadcast. But you guys, this is there's a deep dive in the book. So you really need to to grab that. But in John 14, 16, you know, I actually pulled it up um in the mirror translation today because it's the and maybe I'm maybe there's other places where there's been translators that have been brave enough to actually translate. Uh, the Greek words into feminine. But I, I did notice Francois' translation in John 16, 13 uh, says this, but when she is come, oh, how the spirit really? of truth, Yay. she will take you by the hand and guide you into the path of all truth. Wow. She will not draw attention to herself, but will communicate and unveil everything she hears and discerns from a heavenly perspective about the things that are about to happen within you. So I thought it was, first of all, amazing. I did not see that. Thank you, Shalisa Mendes. And thank you, Francois. You are amazing. Yeah. Yes, he is. I'm, I, there's a podcast episode coming up with him soon too, you guys. So stay tuned. But here's what I wanted to say. So you talk a lot about, um, well, you don't talk a lot about it, but you you do talk about gender bias in the, in the, in the scripture specifically. Yeah. And how it's affected our translations, because to my knowledge, I don't know of another translation that that translated. No, I was not able to find one. But honestly, I I didn't didn't look at it in the mirror. And I you go. Yeah, so I, I noticed that. But let's talk about John 14 and 16 kind of as our last scripture reference that we have time for today. But because it's it, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament uh, and the way that it's translated is is misleading. It, it really is. And we have to understand if you are a translator, what's going on is that you're diving into the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic, whatever, whatever's coming up. <laughs> and you are having to do that studious work. Mm -hmm. And then you're having to flow. It's like, okay, so how is this expressed Holy Spirit? And we have to understand that God is moving through people. And all people have filters and biases. When I say a prophetic word, I'm good until I'm not. In other words, when I'm tracking with Holy Spirit, I'm good. And when it's getting a little twist because I have a filter or it doesn't make sense to me or whatever, I was good until I wasn't. And this is why it's incumbent upon each person when you get a prophetic word to sit with it. It's like, okay, no, this works. And yeah, you were, I was good, but this I'm not so sure. Mm -hmm. All of that. And this is where we're grappling with it. So if we treat um, the word of God, uh, the scripture of God as pointing to a person, the, the person of Christ and father and, and, and Holy Spirit, the, the finished work of the cross, as we point to that, well, mm -hmm. scripture is doing its job. When scripture does a crappy job, 
let's go kill all the babies and the animals and, you know, bash their heads against. Okay. Um, that that's a commandment of God. Does that feel right? Okay. It's doing its job in pointing us to us and our filters and our brokenness, because that doesn't look like the one we know to be God. Mm -hmm. So when you're tracking with this, this is not quite right. Pay attention to that. And they're good hermeneutics. And I'm sure you've taught on that or pointed people to that, Mm -hmm. uh, that are really important and coming through it with filters that are appropriate filters versus broken ones. But when it comes to the men, masculine, feminine issue, Mm -hmm. um, these are men. I mean, you know, there are a few books that people aren't quite so sure, but let's just be clear. These were men (laughs) translating for 99.9%, if not all of it. Um, Thank you guys for doing that. Okay. Let's appreciate the scholarship and the sweat that went into that. However, that doesn't mean that they were inerrant. Inspired doesn't mean inerrant. It's inspired, but it doesn't mean it's not subject to having problems, which is why Shalisa is saying, do not drink from one trough. <laughs> Multiple translations, including Francois. I love that. I'm just, that made my day right there. <laughs> okay. So let's go to John 14, 17. I'm going to read it from the King James. Um, it says, even the spirit of truth. So he's talking about, I will send this, the comforter, I will send this, this uh, the, the Holy Spirit, even the spirit of truth, who, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth them not, nor knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells in you and you, and, and shall be with you. Okay. So the spirit of truth is the gender neutral Greek word for spirit, which is pneuma. And, um, truth is the feminine Greek word for, uh, aletheia, which is a feminine word. So this is spirit neutral of truth, which is feminine. Okay. So that particular word, the words that they're using in that translation, um, uh, the word for him, you will know him is the word autos and the word autos is actually a pronoun without reference to gender. So you, so in order to translate, they had to say, Oh, I'm going to use the male version of that versus her. Um, so uh, it, it could be, could have been translated himself, herself, themselves, or itself. So the translator had to choose one. Now, if you, if you go with where it was coming from, the spirit of truth, spirit was gender neutral, truth is feminine, it's kind of leaning towards the feminine. So it actually would have made more sense, as it did to Francois, mm-hmm. to use feminine verbiage, because that's in the word autos. Um, and so, uh, you know, they had to choose. When they choose uh, he, they had to choose him or he versus she or her or it. Of course, we don't want to refer God as it. That's not happy. Um, but um, but that was a choice and it was a bias in every single translation. And I, I think I looked at about 30 translations, have no idea why I didn't get that. Um, uh, Francois translation, which, but yay, here it is now. Um, translated that way because it's a bias because we think God, the father, God, the son, masculine. So everything's got to be he. Mm -hmm. Well, in this particular uh, version, it would have been much more honest Mm -hmm. if we allowed ourselves that Mm -hmm. to translate it in feminine terms. And this is every single, every single one of one places where the spirit of God shall come and teach you all things, all of those things, every single one made the exact same error. And sometimes they would put in uh, pronouns of him and such that were not, that they weren't even pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they would, um, but every single one is him, his, himself, all of that. And that was, I think, a poor scholarship choice and represents a bias. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm grateful that they translated it so we could have this discussion yeah. today. Yeah. But I would say, and, it's, and every single one is a bias, which is pretty astounding when you're actually honest and, and, and require of yourself honesty, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't make sense. If it's like, yeah, but father and son, they're male. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. But Holy Spirit has feminine qualities and, and, and father and son move in feminine ways. So there's the femininity there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as I've dove into this, you know, dove into this over the, over the years too, Catherine, I feel like 
it may, I guess this is the way I make sense of it for those of you that that wonder. It's culturally, you know, I mean, in biblical times, women were property. Yeah. Um, and when you think about how long it's, you know, we haven't been able to vote that long, <laughs> you know, like in the big scheme of history, in the big scheme of, yeah. of, of history, uh, females and having uh, not being property and, and actually having independence from that system. I mean, it's it's very young in, in the, the history of humankind. Yeah. So I will also say that things are progressing rapidly uh, since that time. And uh, so, you know, I can understand why it has been that way. And I'm just super excited that we we are alive in this time and that we are in that Catherine is bravely uh, teaching and, uh, done the homework and, and now making this available for us. So Catherine, what is, uh, talk a little bit about the encounter aspect of your book. Cause I think that that's a really powerful part of your book. And I think it's a beautiful way to wrap it up because like you said earlier, this, you know, this really has to become people's, their own revelation. They really have to kind of, uh, they've got to be able to encounter this truth for themselves for it Absolutely. to be their own. So talk Absolutely. a little bit about that. And, and yeah. Thank you, Shalise. And, and uh, that is so much, you know, I did, we did so much of this together. There's so much thanks to you uh, just because encounter really does transform. And that's really what we want. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's important to get our understanding and our theology better and better and better. Okay. Um, and let me just say, you, you don't have to have it perfect. You're, you're, you're still going to be received within the Godhead with your, with whatever ways your theology and my theology is off. I mean, I disagree with myself regularly, so I don't know why I'm supposed to, why we think we'd have to all agree with each other. (laughs) So just relax. God is really good at his slash her job at leading us and guiding us in all truth, which is the point of the encounter part. So where we start to where, you know, so I lead people uh, into a question base. Where, where is it that you felt like something hit you and it disturbed you or it upset you or it shook something or it made you fearful or it made you angry mm-hmm. or whatever it was? Um, what was that? Okay. So let's go to God with that. And I lead you in that so that you can grapple it out with God, because, because the truth is whatever that thing is, God has answers that will meet you exactly where you are. And chances are, I I know we get mad over theology, but a lot of times it's really not being right or whatever that that's the issue. No, it's triggering something because that is threatening something in me. And so wherever that feels threatening or whether I'm insecure in my masculinity or femininity or, or where I'm, I'm secure in my femininity, but there's this masculine energy that I flow with that I really think is mine, but is that okay? You know, um, or maybe ways that I need to uh, repent, change my mind in terms of how I'm engaging with my spouse or how I'm engaging with, uh, you know, the church board or whatever. Um, These are all personal. It's very, very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, whether it's gender confusion or sexuality or whatever, uh, we all have stuff mm-hmm. and God is the one that can shore that up, that can answer that in a way that brings peace and wholeness and upgrade. So I walk you through one question after the next that that are designed to facilitate encounter. So you take out your journal. I know if you've been following Shalise, you got a journal mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it doesn't have to be fancy. It can just be whatever. It can be a pad of paper. It doesn't matter. It's something where you can focus on you and God and really go into those things that it's, it's like, wow, I never thought of that. This is blowing my mind or this is freaking me out. Or I feel like this is taking something away or, oh my God, you know, I, I I really mishandled this or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And he's the one to do that in a safe way, in a loving way, but in a way that brings the wholeness that is required because ultimately this is about transformation. I mean, God, Holy Spirit's job is to conform us into the image of Christ in our flavor, which is masculine and feminine. And so what does that look like? And that's, that's not an easy process, but it's the process of life. And that is the only thing we're predetermined for. We're predestined to be conformed into that image. And that's what this is all about. So you come out the other side 
with your relationship with God upgraded, because now, wow, I know you in these new ways. Um, and then maybe, you know, your, um, your own insecurity short up or your own questions or, you know, there's a lot of times there's trauma that's behind this. God knows we have trauma dealing with these issues and it can get very convoluted. And this is God is able to, to parse that out so that we're able to get the healing we need, uh, and the upgrades we need. And we're able, oh my goodness, to get along and do the one thing he told us to do, which is to love as he loves. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You know, I can see this progression of encounter in my own life, and I can see the progression of encountering God in both male and female. And you guys, I really encourage you, you know, to take that time with encounter, you know, in my own life. God revealed himself to me progressively. I mean, part of the reason why uh, the work that I do now is about expanding our ability to encounter God in the multifaceted glory that is who he is, he, she is. Um, you know, and I, I just want to share this example based so that you can understand that this is practical, like this is healing. Uh, what Catherine is talking about when she talks about encountering God as male or female, I mean, it heals our hearts. It changes us. And so in my own life, it was Jesus who really ministered to me and the masculine uh, that he is uh, because there was so much um, uh, safety in uh really relationships with male friendships and relationships with, you know, long-term boyfriends that I'd had. And that may sound a little weird, but I had so much dad trauma and I had so much abandonment and all other kinds of things in my life that Jesus was who was safe at first. And then over time, guess what? Father is as father wounds began to get healed. God began to express himself as father, but you guys, it really wasn't until my own mother passed uh, that Holy Spirit first began to unpack this idea that she wanted to step in to that role in my life that my mother had played as comforter, as nurturer, as my big cheerleader, as the one who, I mean, our mothers are precious. You guys, like no one loves us like our mother, right? We all say this. I mean, if you have a healthy mom, you know what I'm saying? But that's, we'll say that. No one loves you like your mother. You know, no one listens to me like, and you know, well, it's yeah. yeah. Champions us, you know, and in my own life, my own, my house was like a shrine to Shalise. It was almost embarrassing to bring people over. My mom was a real big champion. And so it was a big loss relationally for me. And so as I began to encounter the Holy spirit in mothering, uh, a mothering role, I'm telling you guys, like it made the grieving process. I mean, just totally supernatural. And so I just wanted to, to wrap today with that this is practical, right? This is, yes, it's theology. Yes, this is important to uh, the cultural shift that's happening in the church and uh, the relational healing that needs to happen in our relationships with one another. But it also is on the heart of God and on the heart of Catherine for a reason, you guys. And I felt it important to bring it to the podcast because uh, the truth sets us free. And if we don't know the truth, then there's bondage. So Catherine, thank you. Thank you for your brilliance and sharing that with us today. Thank you for your obedience to follow Holy Spirit and write this book and uh, tell us how people can connect with your book, get your book, connect with you in your ministry. Tell us a little, you know, let's wrap with that. Sure. Um, so pretty much everything. If you go to katherinetune.com, my name's listed in my little plaque on the bottom, um, katherinetune.com, um, all my resources is there. Uh, you can go directly to Amazon. All of my books are there. Uh, so there's no, no other Catherine tune that I know of that actually that's at least written this. Um, so, um, you feel free to do that. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on, mm -hmm. I, I I'm on everything pretty much. So come find me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll just make it, make it simple. I, I do have a podcast. You're welcome to check that out as well. Um, and you know, all my, all my teaching resources, I have a YouTube channel, uh, uh, do a lot with that as well. Mm -hmm. So however, whatever works for you, awesome. <laughs> come find me. 
Awesome. Well, you guys, let me just pray for you as we wrap today. So, Father, I just thank you for every listener, and I just thank you for the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you know exactly where every single person is uh, in their revelation of you, and you know their history, you know uh, what has been hurt and what needs healed, you know what needs to be challenged, you know what needs to be forgiven, Uh, you know it all, Lord. And so I just pray that you would use today's broadcast and use Catherine's book Uh, to heal what needs to be healed, to transform what needs to be transformed, and to reveal yourself in ways that set us free. Holy Spirit, I am so grateful that we can relate to you as female. I'm so grateful that she is in the Godhead. And I just pray, Father, that uh, you would use this teaching, Father, that I pray that you would bless Catherine, bless this book. I know that it's already blessed, but I'm just going to bless it anyway in Jesus name. And I just, Father, I thank you that doors are opening that no man can shut, that this, this this book is going far and wide and that it is, there's a move of the spirit on it, Father, and that it would lead a, a reformation. Uh, And that you would continue to connect the dots and that you would continue to connect relationships and other the other things that you're doing in the body. Father, bring them to our uh, attention, God, so that we can be in the right time, uh, be in the right place at the right time, uh, partnering with you in this beautiful transfiguration of the body of Christ that's under that's happening even even as we speak. So thank you. And we just give you praise for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So awesome, Catherine. Thank you guys. Go check it out. And I just bless you and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is in part made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.